Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we're speaking with Karen Krauss of the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon and Bob Salinger of the Audubon Society of Portland. I'm thrilled to have both of them with us on the show today. I'm very excited to learn about what's going on in Portland for cats and birds. So, Karen, I'm wondering if you might be able to share a bit about your background first, and then we'll turn it over to Bob. Hi, Stacy. Thank you so much for um, inviting both of us to be on this. We're really excited to share our experience. Um, I'm the executive director of the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon, and we're a high-volume spay-neuter program in Portland. We do serve cats from anywhere in Oregon, even southwest Washington, and so we offer trap-neuter return services for feral and stray cats, as well as low-cost spay-neuter for pet cats. Uh, founded in 1995, we've helped over 92,000 cats and about 6,000 or so a year receive our care. I started with the program in our founding year, 1995, uh, became a board member, staff member, and then executive director in 2002. So I'm incredibly committed to um, helping feral and stray cats in our community, and I've got a real focus on trying to drive down those populations, really try to reduce the number of feral and stray cats living on our streets. And so one of the approaches that we use in addition to spaying and neutering is education, and part of that education is our partnership with the Portland Audubon Society. And Bob, tell us about yourself. Uh, hi, Stacy. Thanks for having us on today. I'm the conservation director for the Portland Audubon Society. Uh, we're the largest chapter of the National Audubon Society, uh, and I've worked here for about 25 years. Uh, and our focus is statewide. Uh, we work to protect birds and other wildlife and wildlife habitat. Part of that effort is to reduce predation on birds by free-roaming cats. And so a big part of that strategy has been uh, collaborating with the Feral Cat Coalition for the better part of two decades. So this relationship has been going on for, for two decades. Karen, how, how did the two of you uh, meet up? Well, they were around a lot longer than us. Um, so we were the new kids on the block. And um, when we started in 1995, trap, neuter, return was not widely practiced at that time. It was getting off the ground in a lot of different areas. And so as we started holding clinics and the press would cover what we're doing, um, they would like to show the counter. Point, and they would reach out to our local bird group, Portland Audubon Society, and find out what their thoughts were on this new cat group and the impact we may or may not be having. And we are incredibly fortunate that Bob was the person that talked to the press, and he took it upon himself to really look into who we are and what we were doing and, and see what we might have in common or not, and discovered that we indeed had a lot in common and that our approach to reducing feral and stray cat populations 
went right along with their goal to see fewer as well. Bob was proactive. He reached out to our board of directors and said, hey, can we talk? Can we find some ways to work together? And um, we got involved right away. We were very open to the idea that we could do better together than independently. And so from day one, our information has said that we recognize that outdoor cats predate on wildlife and that we want to see a reduction in outdoor cats to help both wildlife and for the cats. So it, it really came together quite early on. Bob, what made you take that progressive step to reach out to Karen and to her organization? Uh, that's a great question. Portland Audubon's been around since 1902, and I could look back at our records over uh, the better part of a century at that time and see uh, that we had been using an approach to addressing cat predation issue that had not been successful. Um, I could look at my own experiences. I started here managing our, our wildlife rehabilitation center, which takes in about 3,000 animals a year. 40% of those are cat-related, uh, and could see that our messaging was, was not working there either, that despite the better part of a century of work trying to address this issue, we had more free-roaming cats on the landscape, and the messaging just did not seem to be resonating out there. And so I was looking for a new and innovative approach. When the Feral Cat Coalition came to town, as Karen mentioned, we started getting calls from the media. There was an assumption that we would be adversarial. Uh, in fact, when I looked at the messaging, uh, it was very similar. And I thought, well, you know, maybe there is an opportunity here for a unique collaboration that reaches a much broader audience uh, and that also avoids some of the conflicts that had been occurring with the animal welfare community. Uh, involved with cats and the, the bird conservation community. Uh, and we found a very willing partner on the other side of the table. And so we, we built trust over time. We started out small uh, in terms of uh, some joint projects and some joint messaging. But over time, that trust really grew. And I think today, uh, we work as closely with the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon as we do with our sister conservation organizations. Um, it's, it's truly a partnership, and I would say a friendship as well. Uh, and I think we're much more effective for, for doing that. It's allowed us to be much more creative and explore a variety of different strategies that we might not have uh, if we had uh, taken a more antagonistic approach on this issue. Karen, maybe you could touch upon a couple of the programs or campaigns that you have partnered with the Audubon on over the years? Um, sure. We started off by doing joint press releases, articles in our individual publications, really sharing with our supporters what we're doing, you know, partnering together, what our goals are, and over time decided, you know, we need to, we want to reach a broader audience. We don't want to just stick to the, our current supporters. And we brought in our local animal control agencies from both of the neighboring counties so that the actual facilities that are seeing these stray cats could be part of a collaboration, could be part of our voice. And we did some surveys. We wanted to get an attitudinal survey of what people thought about trap, neuter, return and what people thought about cats and why they do or do not let their pet cats roam free and wanted to make sure our messaging was really targeted to what our community was feeling at the time and decided that an approach that would work based on that information was instead of telling people, hey, keep your cat indoors, that that message probably would not be as well received as if we created one that really encouraged that you keep your cat indoors and maybe not this cat, but the next cat, or maybe you could reduce the number of hours your cat is outdoors and get the message that, hey, it's good for cats, it's good for wildlife. We know people in the Portland metro area are not cat people or bird people, but if you care about one, you tend to care about both. And so we wanted an approach that did that, and we created 
created um, a campaign called Cats Safe at Home. And within that, we're doing a study on an island community that's just north of the city where we're doing an annual cat count and we're measuring the impact of trap, neuter, return, and spay, neuter on local populations of cats. And we're doing cat counts and um, research. So that's one of the physical projects that we're doing. And then the other project that grew from Cat Safe at Home is the Catio Tour, um, a tour of outdoor cat enclosures. This year, we will celebrate our sixth annual Catio Tour. And the whole goal of that was to give people a tool, give people something really tangible and a way to get involved in keeping their cats safe at home. And the Catio Tour um, has flourished from the first year right into this one, just very well received in the Portland metro area. We track all of the people who tell us they've got a catio, people who've applied to be on the tour, people who have gone on the tour and have one. We're able to then measure if we're having an impact and if we're growing the number of catios in the Portland area, which we can definitely see that we are. So we feel um, that's our biggest campaign and the one that most people are getting to know us because of. Oh, that's fantastic. And I believe you said that catsafeathome.org, it actually has its own website that people can check out, correct? We do. Um, We used to have the information on each one of our individual partner websites, and it gets a bit cumbersome. So in the past year, we've created a catsafeathome.org website, which then allows all of the organizations involved, mostly Portland Audubon and Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon, but also Multnomah County and Washington County Animal Services, to be able to direct people to that site, put links on their site, and just give folks one place to gather the information. So, Bob, swing in the bird crowd and you now swing in the cat crowd. What are the differences and what sort of challenges do you find in both camps? Right. It's funny, I've never heard that put that way before. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, we, we do work with, with both sides of this issue. And I think, I think the key is recognizing uh, that in general, I think the public wants solutions that are good for birds and cats. People are concerned about predation on birds. They care, especially in this community, very much about their local birds. But they also want to see free-roaming cat populations reduced in a way that is humane. And so I think the key is really to try and think about strategies that get it both of those values. You know, I think we've worked hard uh, to try and come up with approaches that do recognize uh, that solutions need to be holistic. And I think I think the ch- challenge is avoiding strategies that, that ignore uh, one set of values or another. I think it's easy to sit there and say, well, we just need to round them all up and remove them from the landscape. That has not been effective, uh, but it's also not acceptable to a lot of people to dramatically increase the amount of euthanasia that's occurring. Uh, at the same time, allowing cats to continue to take large numbers of birds in our community is also problematic. So uh, I think the challenge for us has been on on either side of this equation, groups that push for solutions that are uh, myopic and simply address one part of the problem. We need to look for solutions that address the entire continuum. We're proud to be an affiliate of Space Kitty Express, makers of handmade refillable catnip alternative cat toys. Think Valerian, Silver Vine, Honeysuckle, etc. for the discerning cat who wants to try something new or doesn't respond to catnip. You can even get 10% off your purchase at Space Kitty Express by using the code COMMUNITYCATS at checkout. Help your kitty blast off today with some new toys from www.spacekittyexpress.com. Did you miss the 2018 online cat conference that we held in January? 
or would you like to share some of the conference webinars with friends? You can now purchase the presentations and share them with colleagues and friends. Just visit our recordings page, which is under the resources tab, to access webinars from some of the leading personalities in feline welfare today. They're sure to give you and your cat-loving friends great ideas on ways to help even more cats. Check it out at www.communitycatspodcast.com. One thing that you're both saying, the same line, very consistent. You know, we're for having fewer free-roaming cats out on the street through trap, neuter, return, or return to field, or various other programs. So it seems like we're all in agreement, and it's a pretty simple task when you think about it, provided you have the toolkit of items for, you know, a successful program in the community. If I were in a community and I was running a, a cat rescue group and there was a auto or another bird organization in my town. How would we approach them about trying to partner on anything or be able to partner together? Are there any thoughts or ideas, Bob, maybe, and then maybe Karen can comment second? Well, well I want to go back to something you said, which is that it's a pretty mm-hmm. simple solution. I don't think it is, actually. If you look back over the history of, of efforts to address this issue, uh, we really haven't been successful at all, uh, no matter what strategy we've tried. And so I think a lot of this is about holding ourselves accountable. It's about doing the research and seeing if the strategies that we're using are effective. Are we changing people's attitudes about outdoor cats? Are we actually reducing cat populations on the landscape, regardless of what strategy we're using? So I think that scientific approach of evaluating uh, the different strategies that we're using and adapting them as necessary is is really critical uh, because the reality is uh, whether you're talking about TNR or whether you're talking about rounding up cats and euthanizing them, uh, neither one has really been effective at a landscape scale. And so I think that's what we're really about is trying to look at the range of different possibilities and figure out what combination is really going to move the needle on this issue. In terms of partnering with bird conservation groups, I think it's important to note that different landscapes have different challenges. So what works in Portland may not necessarily work elsewhere, but I think it does begin with respecting one another's values and recognizing that on the bird side of the equation, it's very important to hear that animal welfare advocates recognize uh, that the bird predation problem is real, that it's important, uh, that it does need to be addressed. I think it's important to know uh, that we are going to really rigorously evaluate the strategies we're using and make sure that they are effective and that they are moving the needle on this issue. I think it's an openness to exploring different types of solutions, different combinations of solutions, depending on what the situation is in a given area, because some situations are more urgent than others and require quicker solutions. For example, if you have highly imperiled birds in a given area, that may be a place where you want to be more aggressive. Other places, you may have uh, the luxury of more time. So I think it's those kinds of things uh, and a willingness to listen to one another and really explore different options uh, depending on the situation. Karen, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to add? Um, I think it's really um, important for folks that are on the animal welfare side that may be listening to this podcast to understand that conservation organizations do look at a system-wide approach most often, and us in animal welfare tend to look at each individual animal. And to know when you come to the table that there are different philosophies and that while they're different, it doesn't make one right and one wrong. And to to come with that open mind and to come with an ability to respect the differences, hear them, share yours, but don't feel married to it to the point where you can't 
define areas of collaboration and compromise. We found that area in wanting to see fewer cats living outdoors and really focusing on that and keeping it local, looking at what does work in our area and really keeping that focus because outside influences can come in, management changes at organizations can happen. Um, You go to a conference, you come back, you've got some new information, whatever it might be. You want to know that at the table is a partner that you can trust and respect, and I think it's really important. One thing the animal welfare world, I think, understands, too, at least with community cats, we've learned a lot about targeting for our spay-neuter programs, which creates the, I think, greatest decrease of cat population if you do a really targeted effort. And that also helps that mentality of focusing on a project for wildlife too, and bird protection, because you're going to get the number of those cats down, as well as having a managed feral cat colonies. But I go back to something that Bob said, which was talking about the importance of data and really proving that uh, TNR can help. We think it makes sense to us, but we really don't have anything on paper that proves it out. I believe that is what you were saying, right, Bob? I would say that at a landscape scale. I think both sides of this issue suffer from uh, assertions uh, that are not necessarily scientifically substantiated. And so you can argue uh, that the most effective strategy is to round up and euthanize cats. Uh, but the reality is that over 100 years of that being the dominant paradigm, that, that has not worked effectively to reduce populations at a landscape scale. Uh, similarly, you can argue that TNR will bring down populations at a landscape scale, but uh, there isn't a lot of data to support that either. And so I think it's a matter of looking at the, the tools that you're using and evaluating them and seeing if they really are, are making change on the landscape uh, or change in people's attitudes if it's educational outreach that you're doing uh, and holding yourself accountable to that. Uh, otherwise, you're just investing a lot of time and money and not really getting anywhere. And I think that's really the danger. And I think that's what should give both sides pause because there is a history over the last century of really continual failure to, <laughs> to move forward on this issue in an effective way. Uh, so my hope is that we are moving into an era where there's a lot more scientific accountability to support assertions, and then we can select uh, which options are going to both meet the values of our community and uh, be effective on the ground. Have either or both of you experienced challenges from your own constituents about this partnership? Um, We have not had any challenges from our constituents. We've been really clear from the beginning um, who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing it. And then we partner with a lot of different organizations. I think the one that gets the most attention is the partnership with Portland Audubon. But we instill it right from volunteer orientation. We instill it with our board of directors, our staff, that this is a really important, significant piece of our puzzle. And we want to see fewer cats in the landscape. And we realize we won't achieve it strictly through TNR. And that's why we also provide the low-cost spay-neuter. And we work on this Cat Safe at Home to really get the community engaged so that if they're not letting their pet cats roam free quite as much. You know, we're never going to reach zero. The goal is not zero, but the goal is a reduction. And being able to measure that, being able to get the community involved so that there are fewer future feral and stray cats out there, we feel like that is a good approach to starting to see fewer living outdoors in our whole Portland metro area. 
And I would say that, you know, we received a very positive response from our local membership. We have about 17,000 members in the Portland metro area. And generally what we hear is real enthusiasm for what we're doing. I think people appreciate the creativity of it, uh, the public engagement. I think they see two groups really working together diligently to find solutions uh, and two groups that are very sincere about that. It's not just for show. It's actually to make a difference. And so I think for our local community, and there are some uh, skeptics, overall, it's been positive. I think in the bird world in general, uh, it is seen as a bit of heresy. Uh, this whole issue has been really mired down in debate over TNR and whether that should be a strategy that's used. Uh, and there is a fear that if a bird conservation group like Portland Audubon embraces this strategy as one of the tools in the toolbox, uh, that it's a slippery slope and that you will wind up in a situation where cats are simply just allowed to roam free, where it's really a disingenuous approach in which uh, the goal really isn't to bring down cat overpopulation. It's simply to reduce shelter kills. The messaging will be complicated and the public will uh, take away from this that it's actually okay to let your cats outdoors, that that's not a problem. So I think there's a lot of concern in the bird community. And I think some of it's legitimate because in some places we have actually seen some of these strategies used in that way. I I think what we've learned in Portland, though, is if you do have two groups that are sincerely engaged in trying to achieve the ultimate same goal, uh, that this can work well. And uh, we always are very careful about our messaging to make sure the public understands this is a problem we've created. Uh, we're looking for solutions to address it. But ultimately, our goal is jointly to bring down the number of free roaming cats in the Portland metropolitan area to get people to be more responsible pet owners, because a lot of the bird predation occurs from pet cats, not just from feral cats. Uh, and that we remain open to really evaluating what we're doing and improving it over time. Uh, I think as long as those things are in place, it's not a slippery slope. It's a door to creativity. But the key is to really have that trust and that mutual respect for one another's values right from the get-go and make sure that you keep that at front and center the whole time. I think it's probably a good route to go by reaching out to your local Audubon or, or other group in the area versus uh, that going on on the national level. And I think if we keep it more at the neighborhood level, maybe that would be more helpful. I think that's right. You know, I think uh, these things can become very, very polarized. Uh, of all the issues we work on, and we work on some of the most controversial issues related to bird conservation uh, in the United States, uh, spotted owls and marble murrelets and things like that, this is perhaps the most polarized. And I think that's unfortunate because what's happened at a national scale is an ongoing debate about TNR. That's really a battle over a strategy rather than a long-term solution. Uh, and I think when you get mired down simply debating whether a tool or a strategy is the right one, takes your eyes off the big prize, which is ultimately, in this case, reduction of uh, the number of free-roaming cats. And so I think, sadly, at the national level, there has been a lot, lack of sort of creative collaboration uh, that maybe can be remedied at the local level. I think it behooves groups to look at what they're doing now, what kind of trajectory they are on, whether they're going to achieve their goals with their current strategies, uh, and then ask themselves if there might be a better path forward that might get them further faster. That, that's what we did in this case. Uh, we did not see this as a compromise. We looked at the various strategies and options before us, the different kinds of collaborations, uh, legal approaches more aggressive advocacy-based approaches, regulatory approaches. Uh, and we decided this was the one that was going to get us the furthest, the fastest. It was going to be the most effective over time and allow us the most flexibility and creativity. And that's why we went with it. So I think really thinking about what the needs are of your local community, your local landscape, and what opp opportunities there are for collaboration is a good way to advance this issue. If folks are interested in finding out more about the Feral Cat Coalition of Oregon, Karen, how would they do that? Our website is feralcats.com. 
cats.com. And um, you can also link to us through the catssafeathome.org website. And, Bob, how would folks find out more about the Audubon Society of Portland? Uh, our website is www.audubonportland.org, and uh, also share the uh, Cat Safe at Home website with the Feral Cat Coalition and uh, a couple of other agencies as well. Are there other partners, or is that the two of you? We also have Multnomah County Animal Services and Washington County Animal Services, which is the county that both Audubon and Feral Cat are in and the neighboring county. And so we work with those animal control agencies as well. Oh, that's great. So you have them partnering in on this campaign too. We do because they're the facilities that see the stray animals, and they want to see a reduction of intake as well. And so if we can reduce free-roaming cats in the community, we can reduce the stray cats entering their shelters. That's very cool. Is there uh, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, Uh, Karen? You know, I do want to share that if anybody's listening and they are in the Oregon area, the Catio Tour is on September 8th, 2018. Tickets are on sale right now. They are on the catsafeathome.org website. The event has sold out every year, so do not wait till the very end to sign up. If you don't live in the metro area, we do have our old guidebooks that are available on the website so you can see examples of catios. And we're currently putting together a retrospective five-year book that will have all five years of catio tours in it, and that will be on sale on the website soon as well. I can see a How to Build a Catio workbook in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, one size does not fit all. Think of it like the That's deck in your backyard. True. Your backyard is not the same as anybody else's. So you might think that 10 by 10 deck is a slam dunk, but darn it, you got to slope. So um, it, it is anything your creativity and your pocketbook allows is your catio, and there's no wrong way to do it. Bob, any last thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners today? I guess I would just add that I think it's always easy to be overwhelmed by the magnitude of a challenge like this. And uh, sometimes there's a sense of, well, what you do individually really isn't going to make a difference. But the truth is most environmental challenges are solved from the ground up. And uh, it's it's a lot of individual actions that add up to something much bigger. Cats is no different in that sense, you know. Uh, planting one tree doesn't make a difference, but many, many people planting trees makes a huge difference. And so the message I would send is that, you know, you can help incrementally Resolve this issue over time. Build yourself a catio. If you can't keep this cat inside, keep your next one inside. Reduce the amount of time outside. As Karen noted, there's a whole bunch of different things that people can do that help solve the problem. They don't solve it entirely, but the way we're going to make progress is by a lot of people participating, and uh, that's really what we're striving here for. So I really would encourage people to think about what you can do in terms of this issue to make your neighborhood a safer place, both for your cats and your, your wildlife. Karen and Bob, I want to thank you both so much for agreeing to be uh, guests on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. It's been great chatting with you, and I really think this is a really critical topic that we're all facing with. Well, thanks for having us on. Yes, thank you so much, Stacy. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 